Welcome, welcome to the launch of the Dr. Ready podcast. In other words, DRE, a podcast founded and produced by students and faculty here at the University of Alberta. We are doing this podcast for medical students across Canada, all of you, in order to help you rock your time in clerkship. We are providing a one-stop shop for evidence-based resources and tips from experts across various specialties in medicine. Hi everyone, I'm Isla. I'm Chelsea. And we're two third-year medical students here at the University of Alberta. And like all of you, we're feeling pretty nervous about heading into third year or clerkship for us. So we started this podcast because we felt like there were limited resources to help us prepare for our transition to hospitals and thought it was high time that we change that. So this first episode is titled How to Rock Your First Day of Clerkship, and it looks into peer-reviewed literature and Canadian medical school resources so that we can succeed on our first day of clerkship. We're also going to chat with our guest star, Tam, who is a fourth-year clerk at the U of A. Hi, everyone. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for being here. All right. So let's jump into the problem. Why are we here? Why are we doing this podcast in the first place? So it's a daunting time, clerkship transition to clerkship. Um, we don't really know what's expected of us. So we actually dove into the literature to try and figure this exact question out. And there was one study by Sluss et al. Uh, from 2020 that actually did a great job of summarizing why it's such a daunting time in our lives. So clerkship, by definition, in terms of responsibility, is when we're expected to have direct responsibilities for patients, conduct physical exams, review and understand labs and investigations, write progress notes, create management plans, and all of this with graduated responsibility. Wow. I don't know about the two of you or anyone else listening, but that terrifies me. Um, and to be fair, it is a daunting transition. And we did find even more literature that looked into this too. So there was another article that Chelsea had found where they interviewed 12 clerks at the Northern Ontario School of Medicine about their transition to clerkship. And they actually outlined three different phases of transition that caused distress for medical students. So the first one was the shift from classroom to clinical learning. So things like learning on the fly or jotting notes down to study for later or learning clinical pearls in practice that aren't necessarily taught to us in lecture. The second thing was dealing with disorientation and trying to restore balance. So feeling overwhelmed with how much stuff we have to know to become a good physician or a competent one and also recognizing causes of burnout. And then lastly, seeing ourselves as physicians, so understanding the role and the life of a physician and coming to terms with the fact that, you know, someday, very, very far away, we'll all be doctors. Um, and then what identity and qualities we want to emulate and most importantly, how we can gain trust of our patients. I think that's a one of the things that scares me the most is this gaining trust of patients. Um, so maybe we can just chat a little bit about our fears, you know, you and me, Isla, about clerkship um, and give some context to Tam. Mm -hmm. um, because this gaining of trust of patients is more for me about knowing my stuff. So one of my biggest fears is going into clerkship and blanking when I take a history or when my preceptor asks me about a condition and I have absolutely no idea what the pertinent positives are or even what the condition is and I've never heard of it before. <laughs> um, so just not knowing my stuff and therefore embarrassing myself. Um, and I'm also really worried about sleep. 
<laughs> I like sleep. <laughs> I have quite the routine, so I'm I'm very scared to lose out on that sleep. Um, and then lastly, I'm just really scared about causing someone harm, a patient harm, maybe emotionally to a family harm. Um, and so, yeah, that's a that's a big fear of mine. Yeah, I feel like that probably resonates with anybody listening, whether you're in first year or second year or so on. Um, and I, I share very similar fears to you. I think in addition to that, I'm a little bit nervous about being so far away. So I'm doing a longitudinal integrated clerkship program next year. For us, it's called ICC. And I'm going to be doing my third year in Peace River, Alberta, which is five hours away. And so I'm a little nervous to be so far away from my family and my dog and my friends and, of course, Chelsea. <laughs> just, yeah, just not having that support there. And even though we're working such intense hours, we probably wouldn't see each other much anyway. It's different having someone there accessible you know, a 20 minute drive away compared to a five hour drive back and forth. So I'm, I'm a little nervous. I'll be driving. I'll be <laughs> driving there. <laughs> okay. Five hours is nothing. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm just a little, little nervous about that. All right. Well, now that we've scared all of you, <laughs> if you weren't scared already. And ourselves. Yeah. And ourselves. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, we're actually quite lucky because we have a lot of peers and friends who've already been through the process and can help us with knowing what to expect. And we actually have one of them here today. So Tam, who's been one of my friends for many, many years, is in the class of 2024 at the U of A. He's also the class representative for his class and is a huge, huge mental health advocate. And even though he denies it, he recently finished his third year of medical student, or sorry, medical school, and is now a fourth year. So, Tam, thanks for being here today and squeezing this into your very hectic schedule. Um, so, what advice would you give to a medical student heading into their first day of clerkship? Oh, my gosh. There's so many ways to kind of go into answering that question. And first of all, I'm just really excited to be here. I think this is a really important topic. I'm so happy that we get to discuss this. And hearing the fears that you've pointed out is so validating for me because it makes me realize that this truly is such a universal experience. And we all come into this with this fear of the unknown, not being sure about what's to come. We we start developing these questions about how we're going to perform and all these things that might happen and could happen. And we just want to be ready. We want to make sure that we're capable, that we're going to do the best that we can. And there's so many pieces that could necessarily not go our way or the way that we want them to. So it's very easy to start getting caught up in our own heads about it and to keep that with us. But I think there's lots of ways from the literature and also from anecdotal experience, the people we've talked to, that we can learn to set ourselves up for success and feel more confident as time goes on. Especially that last piece that we were identifying in literature there about this identity formation or feeling like a physician. It's quite a complex one because I don't think that any of us overnight can get that or feel confident enough to be a doctor just yet. I don't think that's something you pick up over a year or two or five. And I think it takes time to really grow into that role. But it's important to um, frame your first day of clerkship and this experience as a whole as a learner. Make sure that you keep yourself focused from that perspective and realize that ultimately you're there to learn and grow and keep picking things up rather than feeling like you always have to be a performer or have to always be a clinician just yet. You're not there and that's okay. And we have to keep building that as we go. And I think that to me, that mindset shift is really valuable. So we can kind of talk about this in big, broad strokes and and ideas that might help with the experience overall, or we can start talking about some of the tangible pieces and like specific actions to take. But I'm um, happy to take it either way. What do you think? Why not both? 
Yeah, I'm thinking maybe uh, we can we can take it both directions. And I just want to tag on to that confidence piece. Mm-hmm. I know for me personally, um, I've always struggled with confidence in terms of medicine. I've, I'm a confident person in some ways, but when it comes to my medicine confidence, it seems to have decreased over the past two years mm-hmm. instead of gone up. The more you know, the more you don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really nice to hear that it comes with time. And that it's almost an expectation in terms of confidence and that growth um, and that it's it's truly a reality. And something that I've noticed as I go through my first two years of medical school is the support that you get in terms of confidence. And mm-hmm. you're told that it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to not be confident. And you have so many friends, family, colleagues, preceptors who facilitate and sort of nurture you and your growth as a professional over time. Uh, so thank you for kind of confirming that in me. Yeah, um, and then in terms of you were sort of saying you could do the broad advice or the sort of tangible tips. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would love to hear both. And just as a note, at the end of this podcast, we will have um, sort of a summary and action items list uh, that you can listen to and sort of quick take home points. So um, we can summarize everything that we've said here and give it to you and make it available as a resource. Um, But maybe for now, why don't we start with something more tangible? Can you give us Mm -hmm. tips on what Tam would have done differently or what he (laughs) wished he would have known on his first day of clerkship? Okay, so let's set the scene really quickly here. (laughs) (laughs) Let's give this image of where I was on my first day of clerkship. It's 1989. (laughs) Yes, yeah, exactly. Yes, (laughs) it's a simpler time. TikTok wasn't around to distract me. But back then, when I first started my uh, clerkship rotations, I started on general surgery, and I did not feel like I had all the resources I needed to succeed with this. I hadn't really prepped ahead for this out of, you know, passion or excitement, and I was just feeling really anxious about the whole process. And no one had told me or uh, helped me anticipate that the first challenge I was going to run into is just getting into the hospital and finding my way to the right spot because I would have never guessed that the main entrance to a hospital isn't open before 6 a.m. or at least the one that I was at for that day. And so even the very simple basics of getting my self set up to start doing medicine or learning medicine uh, were challenges that I had no expectation for initially. And it was very, very nice to run into a few of the other med students who were with me on the same rotation, all of us equally lost, calling each other down the hallways and trying to get ourselves to the right ward. And I wish someone would have told me to kind of look some of that stuff up first or try to find uh, some extra time in advance to show up and and identify those pieces. And then likewise, I really wish that um, tangibly someone would have told me about asking questions and feeling comfortable doing that a little bit sooner. And I say this not in the way of always finding a place or a way to interject questions or even just offering them up in times that might be a little bit more cramped. But when you're asked to do something or perform a task that you really just have no context or no frame of reference for, it's totally reasonable and actually a good thing for you to ask for support. So my example with that was, again, first day for clerkship, we showed up and we were asked to start rounding with a leapfrogging method to grab some charts, prepare ins and outs, and prepare whether or not each patient was AVSS and all these terms that I had no idea about. And it would have been totally fine for me to pause for a second, take a look at all the other med students who were just as confused as I was, and go up to our residents and say, hey, sorry, we haven't done this before. (laughs) Could you kind of walk us through that just a little bit and then we can get started? Um, Thankfully, with having other med students around, we all tried to figure it out together and we started talking through it. And then as soon as the residents picked up that we were a bit lost, we got from there. But 
those two tangible tips I think would have made a big difference. Just setting up myself for the setting and kind of get the logistic stuff out of the way. And then also asking questions and feeling more comfortable doing that so that you can learn better and so that it's actually uh, more permissible for you to do a good job and it's safer for everybody involved. Yeah. Those are great tips. I love the idea of kind of, you know, contact, contacting your crew of clerks beforehand and mm-hmm. knowing who's on your shift so you can go through the troubles together yeah. and then asking questions. Yeah, honestly, it seems so simple. But when you put it in the context of, you know, people might not know that you're a medical student on your first day. So mm-hmm. don't be afraid to kind of stick up for yourself. I love that. Totally. Um, so that's maybe some tangible tips. Tame, do you have some broad philosophical kind of bigger tips for your first day? Yes. Actually, this is something I, I could talk about for hours, but we'll keep this brief-ish. Um, one, one thing that I think is uh, is important to keep frame this whole discussion from is this idea of like why we're here and why we're doing what we're doing. Um, and it's very easy for us to get caught up in this experience of anxiety and worry, rightfully so, for such a big stressful new thing. Um, especially knowing that so many med students and learners in general experience this phenomenon of imposter syndrome. It's something that we are kind of dancing around with this discussion, and it's, it's, I really truly think it is at the core of this whole piece um, because so many of us are talking about thinking that maybe we're not good enough for this world or we're, we're not there yet, we're not ready to take on this role. And a lot of it comes from this thinking that we might not be competent or not belong in this space. And the reason I bring this up is because I'm lucky to work with the Well Lab here at the U of A that's uh, studying several different projects focused on learner wellness. One of the ones that I'm involved in is the imposter syndrome project and talking about that specifically within medical learning environments. And the philosophical point I wanted to kind of apply here is this discussion of when we don't discuss our failures very openly and when we don't have a clear definition for what failure even is in this brand new context, it's tough to be able to identify success and progress as well. So in pre-clerkship or before this point, it's really easy for you to look at your grade on a test, see whether or not it passes that pass cutoff mark, and then you're good to go. Here, it's a lot more difficult to get that nuance. Sometimes it's Failure is defined by maybe the perception of your preceptor or by a patient outcome or even just the standards you set for yourself. And a lot of those internalized things come from the environment we're around. So opening up with some more vulnerability and trying to engage with others on that topic, I think makes it so much easier to get yourself in and out of this experience um, unscathed and also feeling supported and feeling cared for. Um, And the more we can identify that these ambiguities make it difficult for us to get through this, the more we're able to address the ambiguities and actually give clarity to both ourselves and the surrounding community so that we can actually, you know, do well together and help each other out through the whole process. So philosophically, to me at least, those are some pretty big points. I love that. And um, I think this is a topic that could use, you know, so much more conversation Mm -hmm. around and I'm so interested. So just maybe as a little wink wink tease (laughs) there's maybe more dre episodes that could be diving into this so if you liked this one stay tuned because we have more tea to spill (laughs) love it um so maybe on that note uh we will move on to uh just the action items and summary points that we have from the podcast we wanted to pull together you know, really quick things that you can apply and have some control over today um, so that you can feel the most confident on your first day. Um, So some of them is from the literature. 
um, and we and from our experts. And we will have these resources available to you uh, later on, which we'll describe at the end of the podcast. Perfect. Okay, so we'll start with some logistics for your first day. So first thing, identify parking and transit. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. I'd say that these are big pieces. Um, it's so important for you to figure out how you're going to get to the spot that you need to get to. And when you get there, what to do with your car and anything else that needs to come there. You'd be surprised how hard it might be to find the right spot for parking and the right labels for it. And apparently as students, we park in reciprocal parking. Still don't know what that means. But all of these pieces are easier if you sort them out a little bit before the first day starting. So agreed. Absolutely. You can find more information on that in the U of A Survival Guide. The second thing is to familiarize yourself with the electronic medical record or electronic medical record system that's being used at your site or depending on where you are, if you're listening from outside Alberta, if that's a hybrid or paper chart system and uh, you don't use Connect Care like we do here in this province. Yeah, totally. If you have the chance to have a uh, practice environment or a training set of information to look at beforehand, it would make a big difference just so that when you're first faced with that computer screen, you're not uh, overwhelmed by it. Or when you're picking up a chart for the first time, it's not completely new. It makes things easier. Also, make sure you know your passwords and logins because it's easy to lose that on the spot and start to panic. So get that out of the way too. That's a good tip for me. Never know my passwords. <laughs> I can confirm that. She has her passwords on a little sticky note all over her computer <laughs> screen. It's very safe. Um, and then the last one for logistics is the three Bs. This one's my favorite one. So find the bathrooms, figure out where to put your bags, and find out where the break room is. Totally. Yes. These are big ones that are super easy to lose track of because, you know, you think intuitively, but hospitals have bathrooms, right? I could find one when I need to, <laughs> not in the moment when you need to. <laughs> and, uh, you know, sometimes you'll you'll have a moment and your preceptor resident will tell you like, oh, go take your break, go eat. And you won't even know where to go or where to find your bag that you left somewhere randomly. So pro tip, do not leave it behind some random desk or at the nurse's desk or something that gets in the way of people. There usually is a spot where you're supposed to go and it's okay to ask about that too. Actually, when I shadowed the summer, they took me to this random break room and I thought to myself, there's no way I'm going to remember this. So I just took a picture of the outside of the door with my phone. Yeah. It helped tremendously. Really good idea. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to write down the room numbers and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. So the next bulk of things we're going to talk about is what to review prior to your first day. So the first thing is probably looking up how to do a case presentation. So... Anytime I've ever done a case presentation during LCE or family clinic or when I'm shadowing or even in a small group, it has been one of the most humbling experiences I've ever had. Yes. It's truly one of those times where like you think you know what you want to say, you've planned it out, you've talked through it in your head, and then your mouth opens and nothing comes out or just everything comes out in a completely disorganized fashion. And so what I found for me is just trying to frame this in my mind of, okay, if I was the person trying to receive this information what order would I want to hear it in? And what are some of the most important things I want to hear first? You got to remember that our brains are relatively simple monkey brains sometimes. And we remember the first thing we hear and the last thing we hear. And sometimes in the middle stuff gets kind of lost in there. So I think it's always good to start with the identification information. So if I was presenting myself, I'd say, you know, Tame's a 24-year-old male who's presenting today with yada yada symptoms. Maybe he's had a cold for the last few days. His temperature is this much, things like that. Give yourself the pertinent positives and negatives. So the really key stuff that's relevant to the presentation Go into a bit of the history, so medical history, allergies, things like that. Once you've got all that stuff down, you kind of move into your impression and plan. So that's a good way to close out your case presentation is what is your idea of what's going on here and what do you want to do about that? What's the next steps in investigations or management that you want to go to? That framework helps me 
guide the case presentation so that even if I stumble a little bit on the details there, I just have a goal of where I'm supposed to get. And the sentence has an ending eventually, and I don't just keep talking forever. Um, okay, so the next one is how to take a history and do a physical exam, as well as understand basic lab investigations, but within the context of your rotation. So I feel like reviewing all lab interpretation is a pretty big ask before your first day. But mm -hmm. let's say you're about to start on OB. Maybe mm -hmm. you know somebody or you can kind of look this up and see what were the things that we learned during the repro block to see, okay, I need to know this lab value and this means this and that means that so exactly. that you can be a little bit more prepared on day one. Totally agreed. Yes. And I like to do it from disease or illness presentations. Like what might you see on this rotation? And then from there, try to see what investigations relate to it. Perfect. And the last one is to review notes from the link block regarding procedural skills. I know Tim has some <laughs> thoughts about this one. Yeah. So the transition block or the link block for us is, is a time for us to learn some skills that would be helpful for us going into clerkship. And it includes procedural things like learning how to do IVs or how to, um, to, to draw blood or learning how to prepare a sterile environment, things of that nature. And I think that some of these skills are more relevant than others, especially in certain contexts, right? So if I'm starting my um, rotation in emergency medicine, it would be very, very helpful to learn how to keep up my suture skills and how to be able to do that in a less controlled environment than the OR. But for example, putting in a catheter isn't something that you're going to be doing every single day. And so it's okay to skim over that part and focus on the stuff that's more relevant. Um, so yeah, try tying into the procedural skills that are applicable right away rather than just keep everything in mind. It's a lot to track. Those are awesome. Thank you, Tam, for the, the context as well. Um, so the next part about our sort of general tips, um, and I'll just quickly mention to the things that we just mentioned um, that Isla was talking about, all of these tips are from the literature. They're peer-reviewed um, tips that we have found. Um, so yeah, there might be differences in context and whatnot. So uh, just so you know, this is from our perspective and from, from that paper that we found. Um, and then the next section is actually from the University of Alberta's survival guide from the Faculty of Medicine um, for medical students. And there's a section on there that talks about clerkship survival. Mm -hmm. And so previous students have given their own subjective tips on what to do to be a good clerk and how to survive and how to be successful. And um, these tips we sort of pulled out that we thought were the most important. And we kind of thought a fun thing to do will be to pitch these tips to Tam <laughs> and get his opinion on them and see after going through his third year, do you think that they're applicable or do you have any, you know, suggestions or ideas on how to tweak them to sort of make them more relevant today? Um, sound good? Yeah, let's do it. All Rapid right. Fire. <laughs> okay. So this is, this is, uh, going to be fun, hopefully. So uh, the first tip is be on time. Fully agreed. Always show up on time, especially if you're starting a brand new rotation. Show up a bit early to give yourself time to get lost and find the right spot. How early? At least 15 minutes early, I would say is reasonable. If you're a super keener, go more. But I found 15 is enough to at the very least show up, ask for more for directions and go from there. Excellent. So be on time, aka be early. That tip has no notes. Mm -hmm. No notes. Perfect. Um, so the next tip is be enthusiastic. Always say yes if the preceptor asks you if you want to see something. 
some notes. I think I agree with this one <laughs> overall. It's it's a really good idea to yes show that you're engaged and that you want to participate in your learning because you want to be actively learning. But on the flip side, um, if someone's you know wanting to involve you in something unique or rare and they're like, hey, come along, come see this. Of course, yes, yes, go along with it. But if you're being offered the opportunity to see one thing or maybe go do another or they say like, oh, you could, you know, go and do some reading, go finish your case assignments for today. Um, or if you really want, you can come to the OR with us. It, you can have the agency and the choice to decide what fits better for your learning and what you're looking for. And enthusiasm can take many different forms. It doesn't always say uh, it doesn't always have to be taking on the most amount of work or the biggest thing. It's just what fits for you. That's actually very comforting because when I read this tip, I panicked and I said, <laughs> oh, my God, I have to say yes to everything. There's no way I'm going to get it all done. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's really great. I think that would also help maybe with burnout, maybe mm -hmm. and just knowing totally. what you can and can't take on. Um, so the next tip, make yourself available. Let all team members, preceptors, nurses, residents, etc., know that you want to be notified when things are happening. So again, super context dependent, and it depends on where your role is within the team. If, for example, this is a call shift and you're expected to come in and respond to a delivery that's coming in if you're on OB or if you're coming in for a consult on any other service, um, it's totally reasonable to yeah, like notify people, be like, hey, I'm here, here's my pager number, I'm putting it on the board where I'm supposed to be. Um, on the flip side, if there's a time where, let's say, there's a bit of downtime during the day, everyone's kind of doing their own thing and there's some time for you to step away, you don't necessarily have to go up and be like, hey, I want to do more. If you guys have anything for me, I'm going to do it. That's a little too enthusiastic and it's okay to just take a step back from that. So something to keep uh, in mind. Phew. Good. <laughs> okay. So some notes on that. Uh, the next one, be respectful, kind, and listen to allied health workers on the wards as they are a wealth of knowledge and may be contributing to your evaluations. <laughs> yes, fully agreed. Absolutely no notes. And, you know, even without the evaluations piece, if this was truly just for the sake of being a good person and and being a great member to the team, it's so, so valuable to get the expertise and the knowledge from everyone else who's around you who's been doing this for far longer and have seen a lot more. So, yeah, fully agreed. No notes. Hashtag team make, teamwork makes the dream work. Uh-huh. Indeed. All right. Next one. Be prepared. Read up on patients and their cases. Study areas that you are weak in. Yeah, totally. So something that I wasn't aware of is sometimes uh, you can do a little bit of pre-reading or preparation, depending on the context, of course. Uh, for example, if you're about to be on a clinic rotation, sometimes you can check the electronic medical record to see the patients that are coming in the next day and read up on what their chief complaints are and their concerns so that you can kind of be ready for that. Similarly, if you're in the OR, you can take a look at the OR slate for the next day and see what procedures are there. Not to memorize the steps of the procedure, that's a little bit unnecessary, but to kind of see what those disease presentations might be and so you can be ready for that. And I think that's a way for you to find the areas that you're deficient in and fill those holes. Amazing. Uh, next one, ask for feedback early. Actively participate and ask questions. Even if you are bored, come up with questions. This is probably the first and only one that I'm going to kind of disagree with it's okay to ask for feedback early i think that's a good point um actively participate sure great point ask questions even if you're bored come up with one i don't think that's the way because you have to <laughs> you have to kind of again read the context of the room and if it's if there's time and space for that and you know the person asking you for more questions is really eager and trying to teach more sure go for it but if we're all kind of trying to get out of there or you're just making something there for the sake of having a question you're probably not contributing too much and it's starting to kind of crawl on the edge of being a bit annoying. Speaking of annoying, 
I uh, I think there's one really fun point that we've recently sort of disca- described and discussed with a, a staff member. Um, I think Isla, she, this is her favorite point, so I'm just going <laughs> to give this one to her. <laughs> so after Chelsea went through all the literature and we had a ton of discussions with clerks and residents and staff, there has been one thing that has come up over and over and over again as the number one piece of advice for people going into clerkship. And if you haven't listened to anything else, this is the one thing to take home. The number one piece of advice that we've gotten is don't be annoying. Mm-hmm. I have to fully agree with that. <laughs> yeah, and it, it, I can admit that that initially sounds condescending, but let us let us kind of explain. So the thing that we keep getting told is the most one of the most annoying things that you can do is constantly throwing other people under the bus right we know not to do harm to the patient we know not to harm our um, team in the workplace right but sometimes when we're in this mindset of exhaustion and people are feeling very competitive i think it becomes a little bit easier your threshold for maybe trying to shine gets a little bit lower than what we're uh, used to. And we might sometimes say or do questionable things that throw other people under the bus. And while we think we're making ourselves look good, everybody else can kind of see that we are being the most annoying person in the room. Exactly. And there's many different ways to be annoying. I've found all of them. And sometimes it really is just asking one too many questions or being a little bit too eager. And other times, yeah, one way to be annoying is to try to really, really hard uh, to be the best one in the room at the expense of other people. There's no reason to do that. We can all help lift each other up rather than push others down so you look better. That's really helpful because I, well, I'm one of those people that is always worried that I'm being annoying. But then when I'm, you know, not talking, am I not talking enough? And so it's hard to find a balance and to know, okay, if I'm not going to be annoying, what do I need to do then? And for some people, we need to spell it out. And that's me. <laughs> I need to spell it out. So we asked, you know, the staff and we kind of said, well, then what does it mean to not be annoying? And the answer is simply to use the kindergarten rules. And so the kindergarten rules, I think is so cute. It's basically, you know, what you would tell a kid when they're heading off to kindergarten. It's to be accommodating. It's to be sweet. It's to be kind. Don't bite other people. Figuratively or literally. <laughs> or that. Uh, share everything that you have with other people. And in terms of not kindergarten, but medical school, I think sharing means information. Share your wealth of knowledge. Share the thing that you learned. Share, you know, pieces of wisdom um, or where to park. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, so th- these are kind of kindergarten rules and, and cleaning up after yourself. If, if you're kind of going into a room and making a mess, you know, be, be helpful and contribute to the team to clean up. Totally. And then the last point is actually a... Uh, trademark Tam point. So I'm I'm going to hand it off to Tam. Sure. I think this one really comes near and dear to my heart just because it makes me feel like this is the one thing that has really made me thrive all the way through clerkship. And it's being aware and relying on your peers. Uh, you have to be aware of all the people that are there for you to help support you through this whole process. And really, this gets so much easier when you realize that you don't have to do it alone, not just in the sense of like reaching out when you're struggling or having trouble, 
But like you said, sharing resources, helping each other succeed. If you found something that's making you, uh, you know, thrive in this rotation and it's making studying for the exam much easier, sharing that with others is only going to pay off and make things easier for all of you because then others can help fill gaps in your knowledge and contribute to things that they found too. So it's a wonderful way to get through. You feel so much more connected, calm and cool. And it's just so much better to do this rather than have to grit your teeth and do this all on your own. There are better ways to do it. And finally, being connected and thriving with others makes scholarship so much better. Wow. What a lovely note to end on. Thank you, Tam. Thanks for being here with us. It's been lovely to have you and so exciting for us for our yes. very first episode. Thanks, Tam, so much. That was great advice. Well, thank you for having me. This has been wonderful. Yeah. It was our pleasure. Um, so we've actually reached the end of our very first official DRE podcast episode. We'll provide some useful links for your browsing pleasure, including the publicly available clerkship handbooks offered by various medical schools across Canada. So these documents are going to be uploaded onto our website soon. And our website is currently being made by two of our close friends. So we will let you all know when it's completed. We hope you have enjoyed tuning in as much as we enjoyed making this. So please stay tuned for our next episode and we'll catch you next time. Thanks. Thanks everyone. Bye.